man. Yeah, I know. I don't that's get out bi- much. That's bit no, but that's big time fretless. Like you're just you're all feel at that point. Like that's but awesome. It's such a fun thing. Just so you, you know. just you just can't not look awesome. <laughs> You look terrible right now. Like I'm, like I'm making that mean face for those podcast listeners right now. This is going, Eddie. This has to go in. <laughs> I'm making that. I'm making that. I'm playing the bass face. It's terrible, right? Like it you is gotta the have worse. You gotta put some stank on it. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I don't like as you like yeah. Come on. Yes, I, I sound and look exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hope that you sound better, and I definitely hope that you look better. Yeah. I don't ever want to see Marcus's bass face again when we this podcast. Welcome to episode 33 of the Canvas Casters podcast. Today we welcome Greg Bagby. Greg is currently the coordinator of instructional technology for Hamilton County Schools in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and was named one of EdTech Magazine's 30 K through 12 IT influencers worth a follow in 2020. In his position, Greg works with schools that are one-to-one, assisting them in integrating technology into their curriculum. Prior to this position, Greg was the principal at Barger Academy of Fine Arts, where he served for 10 years. There, he developed technical training for new and veteran administrators to assist in their school-wide technology integration. Before stepping into the role of administration, Greg worked as a band director, we're going to talk about that, computer (laughs) teacher, and the technology integration specialist for 21st Century Academy. He has done a majority of his tech training with the district in Chattanooga, but more recently expanded his reach nationwide through NCCE. He has been a presenter at Google Summits, state and national technology conferences, as well as at EdCamp Encore events. He is one of the co-founders of EdCamp Gig City, a co-moderator for the EdTech Chat and Tennessee EdChat, or TN EdChat, and a past host of the Edu Road Trip Podcast. Whoa! Woo! We got it. We got, we got a pro here, folks. We got a pro. <laughs> Greg, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome, welcome, Greg. It's always nice to have another podcaster in the room, right? <laughs> uh, yes, always. It's always good because we always we already know what's going to mess up, so yeah. we're anticipating it. <laughs> we know what happens when someone doesn't hit record before we start the show. For example. <laughs> For example. That's a good no, example, I think. No specific reason whatsoever why we're throwing that out there. But, uh, you know, Greg, it is, it's great to have you. I, I've been very excited about uh, getting you on the show. And as I said, it's just nice to have somebody that's uh, a fellow podcaster. We usually start the show asking our guests a little bit about their journey in education and uh, specifically let's start uh, with your with that little podcast that you were a part of the the edu road trip podcast so the edu road trip podcast was actually justin and myself and a few others we were hanging out on twitter i've never met justin face to face but we were hanging out on twitter and we'd send comments back and forth about different things i'm not exactly sure how the group got connected But we all met up on Twitter and Justin suggested that we do a podcast and we're like, "Mm, okay, let's see. So Justin came up with this idea. We'll do a podcast that was a road trip. We would go on virtual road trips to different places and meet different edu, edutainers, I guess. I don't know. uh, Folks in education and talk to them about their journey and what got them started. Uh, For example, uh, you may not even know some of these people, but I'll name them anyway. Uh, we met Dave Burgess and his wife, Shelly, in the House of Burgess <laughs> in oh, Virginia. The House of Burgess. Yeah, that's a big deal. 
I know, kind of crazy. Uh, and then we, uh, Quinn, Wa- Quinn Rollins, I can't say any of the names, uh, Jedi Kerman on Twitter. He's the one who wrote Play Like a Pirate. We also did a session with um, uh, Matt Miller, the Ditch the Textbook guy. Oh, yeah. So we would uh, get all these folks and have them mostly talk about their books or their experiences. Um, like Jerry Blooming, Blumengardner, uh, the Cyberary Man. We talked to him, but not necessarily about a book, just about him trying to curate the internet, which is what he will, he said his goal was to curate the internet for education. And then we ended up talking to bloggers and other folks like a, a Julie Davis. She was one of EdTech Magazine's top 50 blogs to read in whatever year we were doing the podcast. So we would just reach out to different edu type folks and have them on the show and talk about where they are, what they did, and um, I guess what propelled them into education and what great things they were doing. Isn't it incredible, Greg, the, the, the podcast that Marcus and I, obviously we started it because we wanted to connect people, right? Like it was, it was more than just talking about this educational tool and and the canvas stuff was kind of secondary to all of the the conversations and and the connections that we were making. It's funny because a lot of people said, well, the, the podcast is great because you're, you're serving the audience, but it's like the podcast has always served me, you know, the podcast was always a selfish act so that I could have uh, something specific, right, uh, mm-hmm. to talk to people about and learn about. And uh, that's what's always been great about, I think, this, you know, platform. Uh, and did you find something similar in your experience? Oh, yes. Uh, I-, I was thinking about rebooting the podcast just because I met so many great people while doing the podcast that I was like, I, I want to extend my reach to other folks. And I want to... Right. Um, other people doing great things. And I figure, yeah, have them as a guest on a podcast. And that way I can get to know them a little bit better. I read this great book. Now let me find out more about you. And you had some heavy hitters there now. I mean, Matt yeah. Miller. We, we know Matt. We're it, Matt's an Indiana guy. Uh, so we, yes, yes, yes. a lot of love, a lot of love for Matt. That's that's awesome. And I, I love just the, the, the mentality of, you know, trying to, uh, you know, network with people and, and learn. And so, you know, Eddie says it's selfish and there is something to that, but we just feel like we are more blessed to be able to, to function in this kind of medium. Um, even though we've, you know, we've got people that listen and, and, you know, swear by the, the things that our guests bring to the table. Um, but we just, we still feel like we're the luckiest ones just cause we get to meet folks like you. So, uh, we're, we're lucking out for sure. Um, so when I, I reached out to Greg a while back and we kind of been back and forth on Twitter, just kind of talking and, and trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get to know each other a little bit. And um, one of your passions that you, you spoke about was digital equity. And, you know, I think it's important for us, Eddie and I, I think it's important for our listeners um, to, to hear more about that topic from you. Um, but I, but I want to start at the most foundational level. And that is start us off, start our guests off, because these conversations don't happen everywhere and they should. Um, But let's start at the beginning. What how would you define digital equity? You know, what would be your definition of it? And then I've got some some additional follow ups to that. So when I think digital equity, I, I I first go to that idea of accessing Internet, accessing the Internet for uh, folks from from rural Texas to the middle of an urban center in Indiana, so to speak, and 
just allowing students or people to have access to the internet and then also devices because what gets the internet if you don't have devices and uh, so it's just making sure that the playing field is leveled uh, my dear wife spent some time over in Finland for her PhD studies doing Finnish stuff I don't know it was for education <laughs> but um uh, this has been almost 10 years ago but uh, one of the big things I guess it was in 2001 when Finland said that uh, broadband is a right it's it should be a utility just like your electricity and water. And I know that they were pushing to get 100 megabytes of connection to every Finnish citizen, period, by 2010. And we're in 2021. And I know Finland's the size of Metro Atlanta uh, with 5 million folks, I believe. But uh, it's still something that the government thought was important enough to push out. And I know that's a big definition of digital equity, but just making sure folks are have access to connect regardless of zip codes. That's important for folks to note the, the what you right there at the end what you said regardless of zip codes, um, because uh, you know oftentimes we'll focus on a we'll say oh well we can't get the internet out in this rural region, um, but that that equity issue is sort of uh, above all of. Uh, location, which is really important for people to recognize. It's not just in rural areas. It's not just in, in urban areas. It's an equally distributed challenge, uh, for, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, so then along those lines, what do you see, you know, closer to home? You know, that's kind of a, a really good global definition um, and dropping some knowledge there with the uh, some Finland info. Uh, like, I'm going to go Google that and see, like, whoa, just dropping some stats on us here. But uh, what are you seeing, you know, in Chattanooga and in the state of Tennessee uh, as it pertains to that equity issue? So uh, I've been blessed to live in a great city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, also known as Gig City. And became Gig City because about 10 years ago, you can check this data also. I'm probably going to get it wrong. Uh, but about 10 years ago, Chattanooga was the first city to um, offer fiber, one gigabit fiber connection to the home. That was really cool. And actually, a gigabyte is still kind of cool. A couple of years ago, they increased it up to 10 gigs. So you can get 10 gigs to your home, which is insane if you've ever been on a 10 gig network. Having that, the internet service provider that provides such fast internet speeds, uh, during the pandemic, I actually, well, prior to the pandemic, I actually went to someone who works for the company and said, hey, wouldn't it be great if you had uh, wireless hotspots around the city? And, and the guy was like, yeah, we have some of those. And I was like, well, shouldn't we have a little bit more? Because now all the high school kids and all the middle school kids in the city are one to one. So shouldn't we have more access points? And he was like, oh, I'll get back to you on that. And then this thing called coronavirus hit. And... Uh, the superintendent of the district started talking to the same provider and started talking with other folks. And we've been able to uh, work with this company and work with local founders and local companies. And so in Chattanooga, any student that needs access to the Internet will have 100 megabits piped into their home for free for the next 10 years. Uh, oh, yeah. So nice. <laughs> yes. So we started connecting uh, the result. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was around 13,000 connections as of today when we had our meeting. Uh, so 13,000 homes where we were providing internet service to them. 
100 megabits connection, which I'm sorry, geek talk, uh, not really, really fast, but faster than dial up. Um, mm-hmm. And so in Chattanooga, we are ultimately trying to eliminate the digital divide for any of the students um, that are in Chattanooga. And we still have a digital equity committee with the city and the city's trying to get uh, partners to help bring it to homes who don't have students necessarily. But um, the whole idea of getting 100 megabit connections to every student that doesn't have access is huge. And the district itself is already one-to-one. So we have devices and now they have internet. Sadly, there are still a couple of rural pockets that we, we've we not reached and we have hot spots that we take out to them and some of the hot spots can't even get it <laughs> because that's how rural we are. Yeah, right. uh, Chattanooga, our district's about 500 square miles and our 500 square miles, we have about 45,000 students. We're trying to make sure that in our area that the digital the digital divide is not an issue. It is wild um, that you know all of what's been happening you know the last year, um, but certainly was before that where you know if school districts were sort of on top of things, hopefully we were working towards this uh, better equity prior uh, to the the pandemic. Hopefully that was happening, um, and, and but it is it is such a important topic because people uh, frankly take things for granted and you know as people that are in k-12 settings i i know you see it every day i see it every day it doesn't matter you know we're one-to-one very happy about that we went and did the hot spot thing as well um to reach some of those exact, it's the same story, Greg, <laughs> same, same issue. Um, we've got little niches and pockets where doesn't seem like any sort of anything's getting to, to those areas. And so we've dealt with that and then still, still we'll have uh, a day, you know, an e-learning day for snow up here. Uh, we have occasionally, and we'll still face the challenge of my Google meet, was just a complete waste today because of you know connectivity issues yes. uh, and I, if I had a dollar for every time I had to try to basically talk a teacher down because he or she thought that they had everything in place right they had the the lesson they they had done the PD they'd done the Google meet practice they'd done all the stuff they had created some things digitally that they were all excited to do and then they get into the space for that for that distance learning and the one thing that they have zero control over yes. they have no control over the internet or the strength <laughs> of it the one thing they can't control ends up in so many cases failing and so that's the real like that's the tragedy right because those teachers did the work the kids were there everybody showed up and then you know boom and in Marcus's case, they're not dealing with mountains up there, right? <laughs> in northern Indiana, <laughs> like Greg's case, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's just a lot of variables, right? And yes, uh, I mean, amazing. you got you should be it really you should be commended because that happens with conversations. I think that that would be the biggest message I would give to people out there that are like, yeah, that's great that that Greg and the district and and people that were leaders you know, pursued that path to try to make that happen. 
Um, how in the world would I ever make it happen here? And I, all I can say, I'm sure you're going to have some insight on that too, but all I can say is have conversations, talk to companies, talk to businesses, get partnerships with districts. Like that's how this works, right? Um, the only way you're going to see any type of, um, you know, increase or, or gap being, you know, close that gap being closed is to really kind of dig into what the problem is and having people in the community help with solutions. We talk about digital equity all the time. I think people are chatting about it and there's tons of chatter on Twitter and and on the news about what exactly that means. I'm glad you summed it up pretty quickly, which was if every child has a device and every child has access to the internet, you're digitally equitable, right? So uh, I love that. And defining that to be the challenge um, has also kind of been a little bit uh, muddied in the waters of reality. So uh, in your experience, when do you finally draw the line or when have you drawn the line that said, yep, our school district has done it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, I, I guess when I know that everyone has a working device and they are connected without any issues um, because in my current job or, and I don't know exactly how it works, but in any, if anyone's doing anything with technology in a district, it seems like they're the blame or they're the cause or they're the ones that someone's going to reach out to. If something's not working quite right, it doesn't matter if you do, Oh, I'm my focus is technology integration and I'm going to help you integrate the technology with your curriculum. No, this isn't connected. I need you to fix this. Yes. It's like, I don't care what your job says you're supposed to do. I need you to do this. Uh, and when we could get to that point to where that's not an issue, I, I think we will arrive. And one of the another, well, not only that, but like I said before, uh, the city has a digital equity committee, which is actually kind of cool. And inside of that digital equity committee, they have a thing called Tech Goes Home Chattanooga. If you're familiar with Tech Goes Home out in Boston, uh, it's where, well, in Chattanooga, how we do it is, we have a school program, an elderly program, and a pre-K program, and a, a business program. So the school model for Tech Goes Home is basically a student and an adult. Um, they go to a school for 15 hours of training on Google. <laughs> And using the internet and using their device, I guess a whole idea of making them digital, digitally literate and the school partners or the school partners with the parent and the student, 15 hours of training at the end of that 15 hours of training, the parent pays 50 bucks and they get to keep the Chromebook that they were working on. And this came out of Boston. Like I said, actually, the lady that started Tech Goes Home in Boston, she now lives in Chattanooga and is running that program here. <laughs> but um, one of the things about this, uh, they partner with everyoneon.org. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. But if you go to everyoneon.org, uh, you can put in your zip code and it'll give you the uh, links to low-cost internet options in your area. So... We started with just that a few years back. Several years ago, we had uh, Tech Goes Home in our school, and I would train parents and students on how to use the devices, and they would get on everyoneon.org, and we'd find low-cost internet in our area because apparently all internet service providers are supposed to offer low-cost options for families that need it. So we were able to partner with them and get folks on. And when, I guess, not just... The internet is replete throughout the country, but it, yeah, when it's, 
it already is ubiquitous, but it depends on your zip code. And I, I, once again, going back to zip codes, if we can just get rid of the zip codes, I think that's when we've arrived. <laughs> when it's not just in the schools and with the students, because we've done that here in Chattanooga. But now I need some of the older folks to get it or some of the the maybe not older, not young folks, but the folks that have living in housing complexes or housing projects that need access. Uh, quick story about uh, our Techco's home session. I remember doing session with a grandma and her kid and they came to, we had like, I think two hour sessions for how many ever days. And at the end of their session, everyone had to do a presentation. And I remember this grandmother getting up saying how she, now she has a job uh, that she applied for by using the device that she had purchased there because she had never had access. I didn't even realize that like applications at McDonald's and things are online now. I Sadly, I was out of touch. I didn't know that. But the grandmother applied for a job online that she had never she didn't have access, but now she did. And she was just so thankful that we gave her the tools that she needed, uh, the website where to go and look for different jobs and not only the device and the website, but we gave her options for low cost internet. And she was able to get all three of those things together and get a job. That's amazing because it, and that again, that shines a light on, you know, we obviously in education, we focus on students and educators. There's a, there's an integral piece of this whole thing. And that is, that is the, what's at home. Um, and it's not just, it, it's the people that are at home. And, and we've talked about it in our district a lot over the course of the last year, just the idea that, you know, what can we do better um, to engage the adults that are at home with with our students, um, so that they're be- they're more comfortable, they're better equipped. You said digital uh, digitally literate. Um, what can we do as a school district to sort of infuse that literacy throughout the community? Because I feel like a lot of times, um, when when a parent or a grandparent, it's so foreign to them. Um, it's, it's harder to get buy-in, right? Um, so don't you want, you know, I want grandma to help grandson or granddaughter with their homework (laughs) and what, but she's not going to be able to do that without something like what you just described. And that is an amazing program that I'm going to immediately be looking up, um, because we've had that exact conversation. We're, you know, that just that, that engagement with the community and, bringing everybody, I love bringing them in and having them, you know, basically like you're going to get, you're going to get a, a Chromebook and you, we're going to help you down the path to, to getting this, um, as a part of your, you know, day-to-day life, but we're not just going to hand you something. We're going to get you working on this content. And I love that. Like there's, there's a training in place. Like here's how to work with Google. Here's how to, um, you know, learn a little bit about, uh, di- digital citizenship and things like that. Like that's amazing. Yes. And I'll be sure to add links to all of those things, uh, in the doc that we're running. So you can drop them in the show notes if that's yeah, one of those things sure. that you all do. Absolutely. Yeah. I already put the, the everyone on.org. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> so, right. uh, d- definitely appreciate that. Greg, could you speak a little to, I, I want to dive into, um, you know, this idea that, I think we all just assume that it is just something that exists and people uh, can have it and use. And I, I wonder, um, maybe there are some examples 
of how you might be serving underprivileged their everyday life, you know, as day to day, they they get up, they go to school, everything's great. And we've got a lot of students that get up and they go to school and then they come home and they have to go to work, you know? So what is the, what does that look like when you're trying to reach those students? Is, is there a, a communication plan or a marketing plan that you typically uh, run through when it comes to, you know, making this available to your students or making them, uh, you know, making this a known thing that they can pursue? Tech goes home, the organization, they put it on the, I guess they put the onus on the principals and the building leadership. So uh, first they go out to schools that have like a, a low socioeconomic students that they may be able to reach. Uh, and they go to those students and offer this program. And then they have, of course, it's available. Uh, most folks in the district know about it now. So principals that don't get a call from them, they'll call them up themselves and say, hey, by the way, we would like to have this program. And we're we're always trying to communicate with parents about the about all the programs and access that we can give them. And we do things, my district uses Twitter, <laughs> uh, uses Facebook because, why do we go to Facebook? Because that's where the bank, wait, that's where the parents are. Yes, not the banks. That's why you are banks because that's where the money is. But um, yeah, uh, so we go to, the mom genes of the what social media Facebook as they call it and we, <laughs> mom genes of social write media. that one down folks <laughs> everybody take note Facebook is the mom genes of the internet right that there that's a t-shirt awesome. that is incredible <laughs> that uh, that's not an original it's just one of those things that it never goes away because it is uh, but <laughs> we 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 do things online and we also of course send home the traditional newsletters that everyone gets and. Uh, we've been blessed to be able to work with our local PBS stations. Uh, so if they're not online and they're not reading the newsletters, hopefully we can get them on the airwaves on TV <laughs> and working with the PBS stations, getting the message out that way as well. Uh, we, we've been trying and even, I know this sounds crazy. We work with local radio stations and have DJs talk about some of the things that we're doing so that we can get the message out. We want this. We want the kids, the teachers, the parents. We want everyone to know about the things that we have access, the things that we have available for them, uh, because it's not going to work unless we make these partnerships with these different groups that can send out the message um, through various ways. And also, yeah, just making sure that we're building these partnerships with the families so that not only will they hear the message, but they'll trust the message and come and take part. Outstanding. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk to Greg about his passion towards learner engagement and some of the great things that he continues to provide in his district. So we will be right back with the Canvas Casters podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, spring break is upon us. Some of you guys are getting in planes, maybe getting in cars, maybe you're the family rented mopeds. Maybe teachers are getting the vaccine. Teachers are getting vaccines. We are ready. We all need a break. Whether you're going somewhere or not, there's one thing we know for sure. Eddie, what they need for sure is the brand new, exclusive, limited edition Everybody can't have it. <laughs> Brand new Canvas Caster Spring Break t-shirt and tank. Let them know. 
I I don't I don't know why we did this. Uh, we we have created uh, two brand new items in our in our bonfire store. We love bonfire, by the way. This is not an ad. They're not paying us to say this. Right. Um, we hope one day they might. But but this, I'm telling you, there has been no easier way for us to get at least something out there because I know we get asked all the time, right? Um, we'd like some Canvas Caster swag or if you guys had a t-shirt, we'd buy a t-shirt. So we found this platform. It's been phenomenal. Uh, and we decided to to create a limited edition because they're not we're not going to keep it up long. I think right. we said like ten days. Like you you have ten days to get on there and buy these before they're because we're just going to do this once. I, and then that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it for the that's spring it. break. The that's S it. the SB two K two one. That's not no. That's not a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to be you know the kids two, with two K. Yeah, but two K is two thousand. Two K two one. There's a, no, there's a lot of math teachers in here that are like, it's not 2021, like 2021, that would be 20,021. And, and Eddie, can you hear that sound in the, in the, off in the distance? That's the sound of everyone hitting stop on the podcast. <laughs> uh, that's what that sounds like. We'll just edit um, that out. <laughs> thank you. We're super excited for these t-shirts. Uh, I'm here to tell you, Eddie and I spent some time uh, this afternoon designing, mostly Eddie. Um, and I'm telling you, they have turned a job. Out. They are hot. <laughs> they are hot, you guys. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. When you see this, when you see this design, you're going to be like, I got to have it. I got to have it. And I'm so excited. I know Eddie's excited about it. So definitely make sure you keep your eyes open. Uh, we'll put it in the, in the show notes. It'll be all over Twitter. Hit that link. Cop that new shirt or tank. It, some of you guys definitely need that tank because sun's out, gun's out. Welcome back to the Canvas Casters podcast. This is episode 33. We are here with our good friend Greg. Now, Greg, Marcus and I are huge fans of doing whatever it takes. <laughs> Sometimes that's sending emails out with, what'd you do this week, Marcus? Uh, what was the uh, Price is Right theme? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, long story short, uh, I simply sent an email to our teacher pilots. They're piloting some Chromebooks and some wireless connectivity, right? Um, so there's about a dozen of them. So I sent this email. But at the top of the email, I said in large print, all the obnoxious ways that you can, you know, handle text in a Gmail. And I said, before you read this email, please click the link below and then read the email. And the link was to the Price is Right theme song on YouTube because I really felt like it was, and Eddie, you'll like this, apropos. That's Ooh. that's that's French for appropriate. I thought it was apropos that they hear that while reading the the, the body of the, the email. So I did that and then I did tweet that like, because after I did that, that's just how I am wired. And Greg, you're gonna you're gonna come in here and, and sort of be able to share in some of your your wackiness and your approaches to engaging teachers. But to me, that's how you that's how you engage teachers. You got to make things fun uh, and lighthearted when when you can. Um, I, I approach adult learners the same way as I'd approach. Uh, the teenagers that I was teaching in that I want you to think I'm next door to crazy. 
I yes. want you to think that I'm real close to going off a weird edge, yep. but I want you to also recognize that that from, from coming from me, that means passion. That means he might be nuts, but he's nuts about what he's doing. And I can get on board with that guy, even if it's ridiculous. And so, yes, <laughs> yes, I, I did formulate quite the email today. Got a few comments on it, um, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I, I think that's part of what we do in our roles, and I know I, you're talking to the guy that transformed an entire large group instruction room into Hogwarts for his teachers. Marcus is right. We may be nuts, but at least we're nuts about the things that we care about, and I'm just curious on your end, Greg, uh, what's your kind of philosophy? Tell us more about how you're engaging teachers there in your district, but I love that, like engaging teachers so that they can engage students and that it's almost like modeling the crazy a little bit for them. Um, and I think that's something that I, we can all kind of relate to. So I'm curious on uh, what are some great examples that you might have uh, in engaging well, teachers and students. I think you just said it. Um, show them the crazy so they can show the kids the crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was one of the things I always, as an administrator and in my current position, when I'm working with folks, even if it's the lead ELA teacher, uh, my focus and my thought process, making sure they get whatever the content or whatever it is I'm training or working with, uh, I would ask my teachers and I would try to do this myself. What did you do today that will make the students want to come back tomorrow? And as a building leader, I would do, I wouldn't go off and make Hogwarts. Actually, we did do something very similar. We made a coffee shop in our teacher's lounge, which the teachers really enjoyed. Uh, and we were doing this one thing, and uh, I just decided that we needed popcorn with everything we did. So uh, I was like, hey, I'm getting paid today, and I need a, another P word. Let's get some popcorn. So we did right. popcorn and paychecks. So then nice. after that, every two weeks, we ended up doing popcorns and paychecks. But that's okay. Uh it was one of those things where you get a popcorn machine and go to the concession people and pop popcorn and it's right in the, and you pass it out to the teachers and they're, of course they love it. Uh, but I, I, I try to, I guess, like you said, I try to treat them like I want them to treat their kids. Uh, be it 50 cent corn dog day at Sonic. Everybody's eating corn dogs today. Uh, it's just one of those things you want to make sure that, you are doing things for them so they think, oh, I can do that for the kid. And then when it comes to training, you're modeling everything. Uh, when you model the things, you're modeling things that the, the teachers will enjoy. You're using memes. You're using memes with pictures of the teachers that you took. And you're thinking, or you ask their principal for teachers because I'm not in some of the buildings. Right. And the principal <laughs> give you pictures and you use them in memes. And the teacher's like, what the? Yeah. And, <laughs> And believe it or not, they pay attention when they see when they see a colleague's face up there, and they're thinking, "Am I coming next? Am I coming next?" Yes. And boom, they're up there, and they're like, yep. <laughs> "And yeah, it's amazing how much more they pay attention when things like that happen. When they're, I guess, they're part of the training, and they didn't even know they were part of the training. Uh, but I tell them, do the same thing with your kids." The kids will want to come back and see what has this teacher done today? What crazy things are they going to do? And how how am I going to keep myself from not coming to school when I know they're going to do something crazy? Yeah, um, I love that. I love that. And I love the, it, you know, it's it's you know, it's not it's not like the silver bullet, what you're describing. It's not as if this is something that 
Um, a, only a select few people have the power to control this. No, it it is something every educator can do. And oftentimes, you know, we'll go into classrooms, you'll go and visit a teacher and, you know, it's, it's one, it's, they're basic questions. And, and you said, you know, what are you going to do to make that student come back or want to come back tomorrow? Uh, similar question that, that I've heard uh, folks describe or, or go into just asking the question of, um, you know, would you want to be a student in your classroom? Yes. Right. And that's the one that that one hits different, um, you know, because if I ask myself that, you know, at any point in a training, there are times where I can ask myself that question and I immediately course correct because I we're all guilty of having a comfort zone where we feel like we're just, you know, giving out the, the info, you know, and, um, you know, when you're when you're in positions like we have where we're training teachers, uh, it's so important to be able to have that running around in your brain, reminding yourself that, like, yes. Uh, if, if, if I, would I want to be sitting in this training right now? And if my answer is it a quick, no, then I got to like slam the brakes. Let's do something different because that's the last thing I want to model Yes, is yes. something that's going to have them snoring. And then they're obviously going to pass it on to their class. So I, I love your, your mentality of, you know, using some humor, using memes and, and gifts and things. And I love interact, including, you know, real people. You know, we've talked about that before uh, on the on the show about, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, like you said, reaching out to a building administrator in a building that you may not be uh, in very often. Hey, can I get a picture of somebody who's got a real good sense of humor? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, like if I if I include them in the presentation in the PD today, if I include them, are they going to be cool with it? Yeah, sure. OK. And then all of a sudden yes. you've got this great thing. And I love that the way you describe that is kind of keeping everybody on point. Right. It could be me. Yes. <laughs> I could be the next one. Uh, so I, I, I dig that a lot. One of the things that I, I've learned is I have a, a critical friend here with me in the district and he does some tech stuff, tech training as well. We always try to be in each other's training so we can be critical of our training. So I know that if I say something stupid or if I mess up or if I am dead boring, Ballard's going to come to me and say, hey, Greg, that sucked. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he'll just be blatantly honest with me and say, hey, Greg, you need to do this. You need to do that. And, and I'm OK with that because that's. Well, because we're friends, for one thing. <laughs> but that's how we work with each other. Just the idea isn't to tear each other down, but we're building each other up by giving us pointers or giving each other pointers and figuring out, okay, we can do this a little bit better by doing this. And maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. So even that's after really doing a bunch of Canvas trainings, like at the beginning of the year, I did a gazillion of them. Uh, he still drops in on to like my fourth training of the day. Okay, Greg, I'm here. Let's see what you got. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> Let me make sure I step it up and do the right yep. things. <laughs> that's awesome though, to have that ability, you know, in your district to have someone that's, uh, you know, a confidant, a friend, uh, but can also, you know, provide that constructive criticism uh, where, you know, Eddie, we talk about all the time, iron sharpens iron. You know, you both become better uh, because you're able to have that kind of relationship where we can learn from each other. We can also joke uh, and keep it keep it light. 
Uh, but that's super, super important in, in you know, the role of, of being a coach and especially when you're talking about Canvas. So, Greg, I want to transition a little bit towards Canvas. Of course, we are the Canvas Casters podcast, the unofficial podcast. And of course, we all have a shared love of all things Canvas uh, as a learning management system. So uh, tell us more about what you're seeing with teachers uh, in terms of their Canvas use. What are some things that teachers have been doing throughout the last year or so? Uh, some, maybe some strategies that uh, you've seen that you want to carry over uh, after this whole COVID thing um, hopefully goes away sooner than later. What, what are some things that maybe you hope stick from all of this as we move forward? Uh, well, uh, thinking about Canvas, this is our, I don't even know which year of implementation of Canvas. It's our, not our very first year and it's not our last year or last year. There, are, there is no last year, but um <laughs> We rolled it out first with our middle school folks because they were the ones that were one-to-one. -one. And then the year, the next year, we went with high school. And between high school and middle school, or after, once we were rolling it out with high school, um, corona hit or something like that, some pandemic. Uh, yeah. So we didn't get to fully roll out everything we needed or wanted to with our littles. But I don't know. I guess I can say this. Canvas for elementary is... Um, coming out and it may be in beta for some people if you beg or ask nicely and <laughs> um so i was looking at that just today and um I, i'm looking forward to getting my littles uh the teachers of littles onto that because we've had uh some elementary teachers that have been doing amazing things inside of canvas how they're setting up their their um, their courses and they're creating all these buttons for the kids just because, well, they want to make sure that it's perfect for the little ones. And you click in the course and then you just see buttons and they click buttons and it goes to here and click buttons and goes to there. And I am, I'm thinking, how many pages do you have in this course? How many layers are in this course? And they're putting so much work into these Canvas courses that it makes me happy. But then I'm thinking, okay, so Canvas for Littles is coming out. And then they're going to say, why did I do all this work? <laughs> uh, but because we're lifelong gonna... learners. That's yeah, yes. <laughs> there you go. That's what I, thank you. I'll, let me write that down. Uh, but <laughs> the new teachers are going to benefit so much from that. Uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm just geeking out over the fact that it's coming through. And I, I, like I said, I had the little, I had it on in my beta instance today and I was just looking at things. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. I got an email earlier today. When can we start training with Canvas for our elementary? Because they didn't get the training that the high school and middle school got. And I was like, ah, just you wait. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's going to be a game changer in our elementary classrooms. And I'm really, 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 if you hadn't picked up on that, but I'm really looking forward to just that one thing. Um, another thing that I've seen a lot of is the way that they're pulling tools inside of Canvas. Uh, of course, well, not of course, but we have Nearpod built in and now uh, teachers are using it more and more uh, because of how easily it flits inside of Canvas. But we've also been using Mastery Connect for the last, I don't know, three, four years. And now that Instructure has bought Mastery Connect and how it fits inside of Canvas, 
Uh, my teachers, they think I'm golden because I can always say, oh, yes, just go. No, you don't even need to use an LTI tool. Just click on Mastery Connect and you're just going <laughs> to click it. And, and and they're like, how did you set this up, Greg? I was like, oh, magic. Right. I, I didn't say, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying, oh, wait, no, they did this for us. I didn't right. I just say, oh, don't worry about it. Oh. Lots of late nights up all Exactly. Night. They were like, did you get this over the summer? Yeah, I did. I did. I, yep. It was all me. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I, I, I love that you brought up Mastery Connect. You know, there, I think it's one of, it's it's underutilized, I think, in a lot of areas. Um, and there's not a lot of, um, the people that use it absolutely love it. So is there anything specifically about Mastery Connect that you guys are doing in your district that you just absolutely love? Like, how did it change? Like, if you were to give me the, it changed our life because now we can do X, Y, Z, what would that be? So if you are familiar with Mastery Connect, I believe it came out, uh, sorry, Trent, um, I, <laughs> I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I, I remember when Common Core came out, there was this app called Mastery Connect and it had all the Common Core standards in it. And that's what I used it for to get my Common Core standards. And then, of course, everyone went nuts and said, oh, Common Core is evil. So now we have <laughs> 10 Core. Um, <laughs> and we're using that, but that's how Mastery Connect started. And a lot of folks were afraid of it because, oh no, that was the, that was the common core standards, common core. I was like, no, it's different. It's changed. Uh, one of the things that Mastery Connect has for us in Tennessee, all my exes live in Texas. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Well, we got Oh my exes live in Texas. Stop, we're gonna have to pay for it. Stop, Marcus. <laughs> oh, I just said the one line. I blame uh, you. Anyway. <laughs> but um what we've done in well, our Tennessee standards are now baked in. Actually, they're a gazillion state, not a gazillion, they're only fifty states, but uh the state standards are already baked into Bastry Connect and we have uh, we have an item bank, I think it's Certica. I think uh, Instructure just bought them also, so it's golden. Uh, we have an item bank that we use uh, that's based on our state standards and our state testing that's already inside of Mastery Connect. So uh, teachers can build assessments that are directly in line and aligned to our state assessment, um, build it in Mastery Connect with simply clicks of the button and send it out to the students through Canvas. Students take the information, and of course, if they're using it as a grade, which they shouldn't be, but eh, uh, it, yeah, it ports yeah. over to our SIS. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just my own personal take. Oh, I'm like uh, But it <laughs> ports over to our SIS, and it's. It, I think the magic happens when the mastery levels pop up on the screen uh, the teachers love seeing the mastery levels of the students immediately. And if they're taking the different assessments with the same um, standards in them, they can see the change in the mastery levels. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for us is just understanding where those students are. Because, of course, we always want to meet our students at their point of need and bring them to their potential. Yeah, that was I, I really like I really like that, <laughs> that your experience with that, because generally and i've not you know i've been around a while uh generally what i what i see is there are third party uh you know options that sort of meet the uh standards aligned assessment prep um but you know like in our in our instance it, we end up utilizing one of those and they might have an lti for 
uh, for you know the LMS. Uh, but the fact that Master Connect is is as you said baked baked right in is is super helpful in terms of delivering that content. It streamlines so much for uh, for everyone. Students have still the place that they go every day anyway, which I love. They don't have to go to a, another site, um, which means we don't have extra credentials, anything like that. Um, you know, in, in a lot of districts that I've familiar with uh, here in Indiana, you often have you know, instructional coaches who end up having to manage multiple digital platforms um, because in order to get everything happening, you need, you know, all hands on deck. And so to me, it sounds like, you know, Mastery Paths uh, is certainly something that's streamlining some of the things you're needing to do uh, in your district. And, and streamlining, I feel like, is always good <laughs> with, with technology, right? Um, so we want to we want to wrap things up. We want to let Greg go and and move on with his life. Uh, we have we have annoyed him to to no end this evening, um, and we've pr- kept him kept him occupied. But we need one more thing from you, and this is we ask this every single episode. We've got to know, Greg, what is in your canvas backpack? And I'm worried that. It was Mastery Connect already. <laughs> what other than Mastery Connect? What is in your Canvas backpack? What's that one thing that you think you just couldn't live without, or teachers in your district just absolutely need to have uh, within Canvas? Okay, so it's this program that uh, I think this guy Trent uh, was the. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, well, uh, my Cocapelli. Uh, backpack with no, not Cocapelli. It was a uh, I can't remember what was the backpack I got from Canvas from Canvas Con. Uh, Eddie, Cotapaxi, yeah. my oh, Cotapaxi yeah, yeah. backpack. It Fancy. has two, two things in it. Uh, one that we must have, well, not must, I love is the Nearpod connection inside of Mastery, uh, inside of Canvas. Uh, there's so many people, there's another tool out there that's sort of like. Well, that does different things like Nearpod. Uh, and then there are a couple of tools, one for video and another for uh, slides. But I've seen the connection with um, Nearpod inside of Canvas work better than the other two have for me. And I love the way Nearpod works inside of Canvas. And yes, there is great passback with your quizzes inside of there, which makes me happy. Um, yes. Because we do the whole great pass back to our SIS, which I'm never going to name because they, well, anyway, uh, but it works well and my teachers love it and they do different things like the climb, time to climb and they, like I said, they have the video integration uh, that's Nearpod has. I know Canvas has studio, but anyway, sure, sure. Uh, but <laughs> it's still in there and, and they go through and in this pandemic, uh, they have the ability to send the presentations to the students so the students can do it on their own or they can do it as a class uh, because we have a lot of teachers. Well, at, up until ah, a week ago, we had a lot of teachers where they had a bunch of kids at home and a bunch of kids in the classroom and they had to teach to both of them at the same time. So that's that's been a game changer for us, I think. Yeah. Aside from the other one that you told me not to mention. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't have a whole lot of experience with Nearpod. Um, I probably have more experience with the the competitor. Um, but uh, regardless, 
again, it doesn't, it boils down to some of those basic tenets of what we try to accomplish in technology, right? We want something to be seamless. We want something to be stable. And if we can get it into the LMS, then that makes most folks like us pretty happy because that's and, sort of your, your home base, right? Yes. And it's actually even engaging with some of the students. And I think engagement helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We don't want to bore them to sleep. Uh, so, yes, I like I, I, I love it. Um, I, I will. I'm, I'm going to have to give it. That was a good sell, Greg. I'm going to ask Trent about it. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely going to have to give a give a little more attention to to Nearpod, uh, a little more love. Uh, but Eddie, what do you got? I don't have a whole lot. No, <laughs> you're, you're over there typing away, taking diligent notes. I am. I there was a lot of stuff I'm putting into the show notes. That's for sure. So, yeah. But Greg, thank you so much. We obviously we love having you on the podcast. This has been such a fantastic hour, but we cannot take any more of your time because you're a busy guy uh, down there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Marcus says, uh, "Is that a song I'm supposed to know?" Yeah, I thought you would. I thought you'd help me out. No, I mean I can just make something up. You spent Chattanooga, choo choo. I, th- I thought that we spent 15 minutes talking about the band. You couldn't come in with anything? No. Hey, Chattanooga is a fantastic city, by the way. Uh, we visited, when was that? That was probably in, in October, and I stayed in a train, or I stayed oh, yes. You stayed at the Choo Choo. I stayed at, yes. stayed at the Chattanooga Choo Choo. We stayed yes. there. It's fantastic. I love that city. I've never been before. That was my first time. Well, come back anytime. So where are you from? Where do you hail from, if you don't mind me asking? Indiana. Oh, oh, he got oh, a podcast, in Indiana. podcast voice out. We, oh, well, oh, we are. Sorry, it slipped. I tried not to do it. Oh. <laughs> I tried to keep it away the whole time and then... Uh.